KCSB FM, Santa Barbara 91.9. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Clarissa Hom with KCSB News. This is the show that shares what's happening in and around Isla Vista and the UC Santa Barbara community. On tonight's show, Renting in Isla Vista. For new students and returning students alike, Renting in Isla Vista presents many opportunities to be a part of the campus community. Renting in Isla Vista also comes with unique challenges, including rental scams and confusing leases. With fall quarter kicking off and some students renting a place in Isla Vista for the first time, we're offering some important information to keep students informed on rental scams and legal resources for renting here in Isla Vista. To lead us off tonight, students rushed to find housing for the 2023-2024 school year, and now there have been recent reports among the UCSB community about rental housing scams. KCSB's Siddharth Chatteraj spoke with attorney Jessica Anticoni, the Assistant Student Legal Services Advisor for the Associated Students, about how students can watch out for rental scams and the ways in which the Associated Students Legal Center can provide assistance to victims of such scams. Could you please tell our listeners your name and job title and your involvement with the Associated Students Legal Center? Sure. My name is Jessica Anticoni. My title is Assistant Student Legal Services Advisor with the Associated Students, and I'm an attorney in the office. Thank you. There have been recent reports of rental and housing scams in Isla Vista. A quick survey of some of the many UCSB housing Facebook groups results in occasional comments to scam-looking links or messages from people who have been scammed and are wondering what to do. In fact, UCSB housing posted a social media graphic on September 15th warning against these scams. So could you tell our listeners what types of rental scams commonly occur in Isla Vista and how students can learn to identify whether an offer may or may not be a scam? especially if they found it on Facebook? Yeah, so a lot of times people will post ads and it's getting more difficult to kind of figure out if they are legitimate or not. Sometimes they copy legitimate ads and repost them into groups. So it's hard to determine if they're legitimate without kind of doing a little bit of background research. And so I think the best way you know, to protect yourself is to be proactive and to do a little bit of homework in looking into the ad and the property that you're potentially trying to rent. In the unfortunate event that a student does fall victim to a rental scam, what immediate actions should they take and how can they reach out to the Associated Students Legal Center for assistance? Yeah, so we're available if if someone is, you know, falls victim to one of these scams. They're welcome to call our office or make an appointment online. Unfortunately, once someone has transferred money, there's not a lot that can be done to to recover that money. But contacting local law enforcement, the district attorney's office in Santa Barbara also handles complaints. And if someone is out of town, they're, you know, out of state or out of the country, reporting it to their local law enforcement because the crime takes place where the victim is. So they would need to, to contact, you know, law enforcement. But for the most part, law enforcement won't do much other than potentially, you know, try and track patterns. But trying to get the money back is 
usually kind of a fruitless effort. How does the Associated Students Legal Center work with students who have been the victim of such scams and what does the process look like? So we can kind of help them through if they want to file a report, we can assist them in in doing that. We can try and guide them through the process if if they, you know, sent money by Zelle or Cash App or Venmo, try and help them contact the provider to see if there's anything they can do. But a lot of the times these services, they take the position that if it's an authorized charge, that there's not much that they can do. Has the Associated Students Legal Center experienced any success in getting money back? I don't think that we have been able to. I'm fairly new to the the university. I joined in May. And so I haven't personally had to deal with this issue yet. But I know that Robin Unander, who's my colleague, she's dealt with this quite a bit. And I don't think that the likelihood of successfully getting the money back, it's a long shot. I understand. Yeah. What steps is the Legal Center taking to improve education among UCSB students about rental scams? We're taking the position that students need to kind of be proactive and look out for themselves and, you know, do their homework on the rental properties. But I think that, you know, the school and the housing department putting out information to to keep people aware of what to look for has been helpful. Thank you. And where else can students find more information about rental scams and how to avoid them? And is there a way for students to access a list of vetted Isla Vista landowners and property management companies? I believe that the University Housing Community Housing Office have a Facebook site or group that they moderate and try and vet the, the members that are able to join. And they also have a list of the local leasing companies in Isla Vista that if a student's looking to rent, it might be better for them to kind of go through the individual websites of the leasing offices to see what's available. And, you know, if they're finding an ad on Facebook or on Craigslist to maybe cross-reference that with the leasing companies to find out if it is an actual, you know, listing, if there is availability in that area. And is there any advice you would offer to students searching for housing in Isla Vista for the first time to minimize their risk of encountering rental scams? Yeah, I mean, I think that reading the the ads carefully, looking for, you know, is there misspellings, is the, you know, the address not listed, is the person asking for money up front for any reason. A landlord can ask for a holding deposit to kind of secure the space, but if someone's asking for something more significant or won't give you, you know, the address or show you the property, that's a pretty big red flag. You know, looking at the price, is it, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. So kind of having an understanding of what is the going rate for rent in the area. If an address is listed, maybe Google that address to see if it pops up on a legitimate website. But kind of taking time to not just jumping at the first offer and sending over the money. Because once you send that money, it's, it's 
unlikely that you're going to get it back. And would you say there are a higher proportion of rental scams at a certain time of the year? I would guess that around the normal leasing cycle, when students are looking for releasing or finding a new place, I think that's typically in end of fall or beginning of winter. Yeah, thank you. And is there anything else you would like to tell our listeners? I think the best way to protect yourself is to be proactive and research the listing, not jump at the first ad that you see that looks, you know, great to really do your homework and see if you can see the place in person. A lot of times students are searching international students or out-of-state students that are coming here for the first time. It's harder for them to to see a unit before they rent it. But if you know someone in the area, maybe have them drive over and check it out. According to the UCSB Associated Students Legal Center's website, they provide, quote, education, information, and self-help services to help students to solve problems and obtain favorable results, end quote. For more information regarding services they can provide or to book an appointment, please visit legal.as.ucsb.edu. Free meetings, legal education, information, and referrals are available to registered UCSB students only. They can also be reached via telephone at 805-968-6704 between 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday or by their email as-lrcintake at ucsb.edu. A list of some known leasing companies in Isla Vista can be found on the website of the Associated Students' Pardal Center. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Clarissa Hom with KCSB News. Today, we're talking about living and renting in Isla Vista. For many students, renting in Isla Vista can present issues with roommates, landlords, lease agreements, and even the properties themselves. Events such as the evictions at CBC and the Sweeps properties caused confusion for students and residents, but many other factors complicate renting in Isla Vista. Communications with landlords and information included on leases can be unfamiliar, and one resource on campus that can help students with this is the Associated Students Legal Resource Center. KCSB's Clarissa Hom spoke with Robin Unander from the Legal Resource Center to learn more about how students can work through issues that may arise while renting in Isla Vista. Thank you for having me. My name is Robin Unander and I am an attorney. I work at the AS Legal Resource Center and next month I'm actually celebrating 20 years supporting students. Um, And what I do there is I provide legal consultations and um, education to students who are facing some legal issues that they would like to get some answers about. Uh, We don't do representation and I'm technically not allowed to give legal advice. So what I joke about is that I'm a really good Google. As far as coming to me, you got a question, I can give you the correct answer so you don't have to sort it out between five different uh, you know, websites you're looking at trying to figure out what, what, what works and what applies. I also support Isla Vista Tenants Union um, for their tenants, which are the Isla Vista community residents, not necessarily just students that have questions about their housing. As Robin mentioned, renting in Isla Vista can have many factors that lead students to seek support. To add to this, residents may come across increasingly complicated rental scams. 
Robin shared the warning signs for these scams that students can look out for when searching for a place to rent. The way we do things in Isla Vista is very conducive for these scams to be successful. Sure, the scams have become very sophisticated. And when we first started seeing them pop up, um, largely in the summer of 2021, they were obvious at first and, and then they got better. Um, and usually how it works is that the person you know, finds pictures that have been posted online for some place that's not currently available, but maybe it was previously available. And so they save the pictures that were posted. And then once you know that place is no longer uh, available for rent, then they create their own post and offer it. And people who are looking around that time may or may not have known, you know, that it was available previously or may have known that or saw that and thought, well, maybe it fell through. And so now it's just available again. And the telltale sign is usually asking for some deposit to be paid up front to give some sort of priority or preference for that particular person uh, to have first access, you know, first chance to see it. Uh, first application, you know, to be reviewed. Um, that's usually the kind of the big flag. But in our community, it's not uncommon for landlords to take a holding deposit. These holding deposits can be paid to landlords by residents after they've seen the property, but before they've been approved. This can present a gray area for students during their housing search. Robin clarified how to tell these holding deposits apart from scams. What is unusual about the scams is that the scammers are requiring people to pay them before they've even seen the place. Um, now, the other part of that is in our community, we have a lot of students that transfer in, a lot of international students that come in, they're looking for housing. And so when they're looking, it's not unusual if they're not able to actually be here in person to see the place. And so they will commit to a place, they will sign leases based on pictures that they're seeing online or maybe some sort of video. And so, you know, some landlords saying, well, you're, you're not here or I have a tenant that's living in there right now, so I can't show it to you, but I'll take a holding deposit, you know, from you if you want to submit an application. So it's not unusual. So there's no clear, obvious flags anymore about how to tell a scam from, you know, something that's not a scam. Another scam that Robin mentioned is supposed landlords transferring money to prospective tenants for supposed movers. While the tenants then pay the movers with money that was provisionally approved by the bank, it may later prove to be money that the landlord did not have. Some renters may find themselves sending money that's nearly impossible to get back, and Robin shared that this can put renters in a difficult situation. There are no legal protections. If they've paid the money, voluntarily, meaning like somebody didn't steal it from their bank account, right. there are no protections because it was a voluntary transaction. They entered into it and intended to transfer that money. They're Part of what makes the renter vulnerable in this situation is the fact that many rental scammers aren't based in Isla Vista. Banks make it difficult to track down such perpetrators. Robin recommends to students that in this situation, their first step is to make a police report. If this has happened enough with the same individual or the same type of scam, you know, maybe there might be then enough for the police to actually do something. When I asked Robin about other issues that renters might come across, she shared that she spends much of her time 
dealing with roommate conflicts that arise between residents. There are often what I spend a lot of my year dealing with are roommate conflicts. And roommate conflicts are, are heartbreaking in so many different ways. Um, and they can come up for so many different reasons. When we were in COVID, um, people who were best of friends, you know, ended up hating each other because they had different ideas about how they should be living their lifestyle during an epidemic. <laughs> and so that created hard feelings. Well, now that we're past that, um, oftentimes the lifestyle differences still come up as far as maybe some people like to party, some don't. Um, some people have their significant others staying over a lot and they don't really check in with their roommates to find out how they feel about that extra person being there, uh, especially if they're sharing a bedroom. Um, so that comes up. Sometimes somebody's not able to pay their share of the rent or utilities for whatever reasons are coming up. And so, you know, that's creating economic hardship on the rest of them. If these roommate conflicts end in residents wanting to get out of their lease, Robin says this is where students can begin to look for other people to take over their lease. In these situations, Robin recognizes that personality differences can lead some tenants to be hostile when the person leaving the lease is looking for a replacement. This can backfire if a roommate leaves without finding one. The landlord's going to look to the rest of the roommates and go, well, who's coming up with this rent? You know, and and that's where it gets into they all. Well, it's their their problem. It's like, no, you guys are on one lease together. One for all, all for one. She recommends that even if students still want to separate, they have to cooperate with each other to find a new roommate and prevent people from being burdened with an increase in their share of the rent. Aside from roommate conflicts, Robin also clarified the difference between installments and rent payments. So oftentimes students move in and move out in, during the middle of a month and they don't move in right at the beginning of the month. And yet their first payment is a full payment or their last payment is a full payment and they're only moving and they're only there for 10 days. So we get questions about that a lot. Like, why is it not prorated? And so I'm like, okay, well, let's look at your lease. And uh, what a lot of landlords do and it's legal um, is that they'll take the value of the entire contract for the entire term and they'll divide that value up into 12 equal payments. And it's one way of doing it. And it makes it so that each month the landlord can budget and predict exactly how much rent is coming in versus having a short month, you know, for compensating for how many days that they're not necessarily going to be living there and renting it. So it just takes the total contract value and divides it into 12. And so if tenants don't read their lease or understand what that means, then they get confused about that. So it's unique. Not every landlord does it. More and more are starting to do it. But if they have questions about why it's not prorated, that's something to look into their rent. And if they see the word installment payments, then that explains that. Alongside rent installments, Robin clarified other language on the lease that students should know about. With regards to leases and something that a lot of tenants don't quite appreciate, you and I live together. I stop paying the rent because I'm having some economic issues or whatever. And, and you're like, well, you can't just live here. You have to go. You can't just live here and not pay rent. You have no more right to kick me off the lease, even in that instance, than I do to kick you off. So even if I'm not paying rent, that's an issue between you and me. 
And you potentially, if you had to pay for my share of rent to keep us in good standing and from being evicted, then potentially you could take me to small claims court, you know, and get a judgment against me, a civil judgment for the amount of rent that you had to pay. But you have no greater right to get me removed from the lease just because I am somehow in violation of, of our agreement or even of the lease. Let's say I have an animal. I have an animal. We're not supposed to have an animal. Um, you know, and I've got this animal. The landlord doesn't know. But you know, and you're like, I don't want this animal there. You have to leave. You, you take your animal and you leave. Well, technically, you can't do that. You can't kick me off the lease. And your remedy would be, okay, then fine. I'll go tell the landlord that you have this animal. And then the landlord will kick you off the lease. Nope. The landlord would kick us both out if I have an animal that we're not supposed to have and I don't have an exception or permission from the landlord to uh, to have it. So it could potentially backfire on you if you're like, hey, landlord, kick her out because, you know, she's doing something that she shouldn't be doing. Landlord's going to kick us both out. Hmm. So that comes up a lot where the tenants think they have greater power over each other when they don't. Yeah, that's interesting. A lot of um, the conflicts, as I understand, are between roommates, which makes sense because you're living with that person. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to talk about the situation with the CBC and the sweeps uh, tenants and just that complex. Um, as we know, earlier this year, um, the tenants received eviction notices and the tenants union was working on invalidating these notices. Can you give us any update on where the union is at, where these tenants are right now? So Isla Vista Tenants Union was not involved in this um, because they weren't really functional when all of this kind of started kicking up. So they deferred to the Santa Barbara Tenants Union and the Santa Barbara Tenants Union was legally incorrect in their position that these notices were not valid. And the reason that was the case is because the notices uh, that went out that were revised went out on April 4th and those were technically correct notices and they included mention of relocation benefits. Um, CBC and the sweeps did pay the relocation benefits to the tenants and the urgency ordinance that got passed was on April 6. And there was some confusion initially about how it would be applied because if there was going to be an eviction of tenants based on non-compliance with the terminations, then there was something written into the urgency ordinance that basically said it would be a defense if there was a defective notice. But what the tenants union, the Santa Barbara tenants union assumed incorrectly was that somehow this would apply retroactive back to ordinance or sorry, to notices that were issued before the urgency ordinance went into effect. And that's not the case. That's not true. But they were trying to argue that. And legally, that is an incorrect position. And they put tenants in peril that wanted to try and insist um, that they got to stay. So over the summer, everything quieted down. Um, you know, all the relocation benefits were paid. Tenants who needed to have an extension, um, you know, and have it for a month or a couple months. And if they lived in a phase that was sort of further down in the process, then they were accommodated cbc and the sweeps or the, the new company for spaces um you know i give them kudos and props because they really went out of their way to try and make the situation that was lousy um at least a little bit less lousy 
they weren't willing to change their plan of allowing tenants to remain while they did phase to phase to phase. They still wanted everybody cleared out. And, and that is a choice they made. And it was a choice that they were allowed to make as long as they were willing to compensate everybody properly for that. It's been, it's been a tricky situation, but I haven't heard any issues um, through the summer as far as anybody that they was having any further problems. And a couple of times I reached out to core spaces to see about accommodating a tenant here or there. And they were willing to, um, to the, to the extent that they could. So I think core spaces will be a good company to work with in the future. Once the dust all settles and the renovations are done and tenants move back in, I like how they've been receptive. They've been responsive. And, you know, that's more than I can ask for because a lot of landlords, when they are investors like that and they come into our area without knowing much about us, they're basically like, you know, screw you guys. We don't have to listen to you. We know what we're doing. We're big city. You guys are a little podunk. And it's like, well, we may be podunk, but, you know, we rule the roost around here. When I asked Robin how new students should go about the housing search, she recommended joining Facebook groups and remaining cautious of scams by visiting properties in person, even if that means via Zoom or Skype. Students should also be wary again of supposed landlords who may ask for a deposit on the pretense of setting an appointment to see the property. Once the person running the scam receives the deposit, they could cancel the appointment. In general, students should get to know the reputable companies around Isla Vista and start their housing search there. There are a couple of different companies that do a lot of business in Isla Vista. Meridian Real Estate Management, uh, Wolf & Associates, Sierra Property Management. Those are companies that have a lot of, of, of units, um, KMAP, Coto Group. They have a lot of units in Isla Vista. Some units may even become available before they're posted on the website, so Robin recommended calling the offices if students are trying to find housing on a tight schedule. She noted that other listings can be found on the UCSB Housing Office website and that students can find independent landlords listing on Craigslist, though they should be cautious of potential scammers. For students renting in Isla Vista, there are also many legal resources available. Robin also recognized how difficult it can be to find roommates during the fall when many desirable properties are on the market in Isla Vista, and many students are just getting to know each other for the first time. She stressed the need to choose roommates with care, since getting out of a contract is complicated and sometimes expensive. Thank you for talking to me and taking some time out of your morning. Thank you for having me. We've been talking about renting in Isla Vista this week on Inside Isla Vista. I'm Clarissa Hom with KCSB News. While renting in Isla Vista presents some unique challenges, keep in mind that there are many resources available to provide students support, including the Associated Students Legal Resource Center, which can be found at legal.as.ucsb.edu, as well as the University and Community Housing Services, which can be found at housing.ucsb.edu been listening to Inside Isla Vista. Thanks for tuning in Wednesdays at 5 p.m. to find out what's happening in and around Isla Vista. I'm Clarissa Hong. Our theme music is Siesta by Jawser. This is 91.9 FM KCSB.